0: Welcome, Pudding People, to another episode of Everybody Loves Pudding. Today with you are your wonderful co-hosts, myself, Mr. Richard Geiger, across from me, Mr. Ken Seymour. Hello again. Today we are going to be discussing the history of comic book movies. Comic book movies, you say? What are those? Mr. Ken Seymour, what are we defining as comic book movies?
1: We are defining as comic book movies. Any movie that is based upon a comic book or graphic novel. And by that, I mean it had to have come into existence as that before the movie, though it did not have to start that way. If it was a myth, if it was history, if it was anything that was made into a comic, and then that comic was made into a movie, it counts. It counts also if it's a television movie, so long as that television movie was not not associated with another television show. We are including movie shorts. So long as they are professional movie shorts, we are not including anything that is made by a fan or uh, anything that, as I said, is associated with an existing television show, as we will tackle that at another time. We are also not including comic strips, even though in my heart of hearts, I include those in my mind. This would take significantly longer if we included them.
0: Cue the transition music.
1: All right, first things first we want to welcome you back to the second episode in this particular series. But before we get into the meat of it, I wanted to take just a moment to thank not only our guests over the last calendar year uh, that we've had on the show. We've been very fortunate to talk to some wonderful people and they've uh, been able to enlighten us in some Really interesting ways on what it's like to do what they do, be the people that they are, and we very much appreciate We also appreciate all of you who have taken the time to listen to our podcast, and we hope to continue to pri- provide content that you find uh, entertaining, enriching, wonderful in the coming year.
0: We've got some business owners, some artists Some artists who are business owners. (laughs) Um, You know, a lot of, we've we've got a variety of people on a variety of subjects, and that's what, that's kind of what we want to continue to do. Obviously, we've got a lot of comic book stuff and related issues with that as well, but um, the more people, the more variety we can get. That is our ultimate goal. And hopefully, we will show that going forward with some of the stuff we got lined up.
1: I think so. And we even have. Maybe a potentially pretty neat little thing coming in the beginning of the year. And I'm being very vague on purpose because I don't want to reveal anything because it's possible it could just blow up in my face in the process of mm. putting this thing together. But so long as it works, I think it will be something that those that are geekly and inclined to debate will will find greatly useful. Is that vague? Very vague. Excellent. I have Good. No idea. That's the that's the way I like it to be. Okay. So moving on. Moving on. So we uh, we talked about a lot of movies in our last uh, episode. In fact, we tried to be very very comprehensive uh, by the standards of what we are defining. However, due to a series of issues, uh, primarily to do with uh, equipment not responding in the way that it was supposed to. Uh, Blast you equipment (laughs) The list that I That I brought To the previous episode Was not complete Or maybe I should say It essentially was complete But it was so small I had difficulty reading it So uh, There were a couple of Titles that were missed That were going to Bring you to uh, Bring you up to date As it is So even though we had gotten to a point on our previous uh, episode where it felt like we were getting into almost current date. We got up to 1983. Some Superman movies in there. Exactly. We're going to backtrack just a smidgen to start because there were a handful of titles that, like I said, were missed. So let's let's start with one of those titles uh, to go forward. Uh, one of the ones that I meant to mention, uh, we originally talked about uh, the first movie being The Adventures of Captain Marvel, the serial. You know, you had an early Batman. There was an early Superman in the 40s. Well, this one was also in the 40s. This was actually called uh, Hop Harrigan. Have you ever heard of that character? It sounds like a beer. It does indeed sound like a beer, but it is not. It is another of those characters that are... uh, very, very war-related in that sense. Uh, this particular, uh, this particular series uh, came out in 1946. It's, a, uh, if I remember correctly, it's a, another serial. But very specifically, the Hop Harrigan character was originally uh, released in 1939 in All American Comics. But it's a uh, fighter pilot kind of character. Mm. So that's one of the reasons it kind of slipped by me, because it's not like the standard superhero thing. And in my highlighter, I kind of went over it on, on accident. Uh, but uh, Feeling kind of flighty that day. Yes, yes, he was. So it's, it's uh, not one that a lot of people have seen. And if you saw a lot of films during that period, there were a lot of fighter pilot films and a lot of fire, fighter pilot serials. Um, the only thing that I'm really going to mention out of this is that uh, the lead's name was uh, William uh, William Bakewell, and the only thing that I really saw in in looking at all the actors and actresses, he was actually in an episode of uh, the Dick Tracy TV show. Ooh. I mean, really, that's just kind of the all there was to it. I really I've not seen this particular uh, movie. I eventually hope to uh, get a chance to to take a look at it. I think it's. It's going to fall into some very nostalgic fun. But up until this point, I know very little about the, the plot or anything. So I just wanted to mention it. That's one of the ones we're just going to kind of say, there it is. And we're going to move on to the next one. So we're going to jump ahead in time a single year. <laughs> There's another early one I missed. Uh, this one uh, called uh, The Vigilante, Fighting Hero of the West. Ooh. Now, this one was a little more popular. Than uh, Hop Harrigan was. Now, obviously, like I said the the movie came out in '47, uh, but the comic was created by uh, Mort Weisinger uh, and uh, Mort Meskin. So the team of Mort and Mort uh, created this particular character. Um, Mortal enemies. Exactly. So it was uh, it was uh, a Western character, basically.
0: Isn't there a DC character? His is Vigilante.
1: It is. That's him? That is him. Absolutely. So they brought in Ralph Bird to be the the vigilante. Now, um, Ralph Bird was stupendously busy uh, as an actor during this time, from what I saw him. He was in in a bunch of the Dick Tracy films, uh, so he was uh, the lead in those. And I found out something very interesting. Do you remember the Disney Jungle Book movie? The like the not the most recent one, not not uh, the the live action version. Obviously, uh, I'm thinking of the animated Jungle Book,
0: like the one that the cartoon was based off of, exactly. was blue and exactly ta- like Tailspin.
1: That that, that one? yeah, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Now, in my mind, being from the time frame that I'm in, I'm thinking this is the first instance, other than the actual you know books, that this came from. No. No, there was a Jungle Book in 1942, and uh, he actually did the voice of uh, Durga in that too. So he he, he had uh, quite a few uh, quite a few things here and there. Um, also in this particular film was an actor by the name of Lyle Talbot. Now, if you'll remember, we've talked about Lyle Talbot, and you're giving me that look. That yeah, sure we did. Okay, no, he was in Adam Man versus Superman. That was one of those early ones. That I was mm-hmm. talking about those one early series. That, yeah. So he he actually had a couple different, you know, those early films. I mean, I know they had to have shared a lot of actors and actresses between them because it was not it was not the Hollywood of our day. It's it's kind of a, a different animal in the amount of time it takes to, to make something, I think, and, and what they're doing. So um, Jack Ingram was in it who was in the 1948 Superman and like 300 other projects. I mean, so this, this particular, um, particular iteration of this movie actually had a really solid cast for the time. Uh, The 1940s star power. Yeah, absolutely. So that's another one we missed again in an attempt to be perfectionists. And I vastly missed the mark on that one. Um, okay, let's go one more year forward. I missed another early one. Uh, Congo Bill in 1948. Uh, Congo Bill was originally introduced by George Papp and Whitney Ellsworth and more fun comics in 1940.
0: More fun for me and more fun for you.
1: Now, Congo Bill, if my memory serves, uh, as a dancer. Uh, yeah, exactly. Congo Bill Uh uh, beware evil, I will grasp you about the waist and uh, make leg motions behind you. That didn't sound good. Um, so Don McGuire was Congo Bill. Oh, that's what I was going to say. So basically the Congo Bill character, if I remember correctly, is kind of like a Tarzan uh, okay. sort of a character. A knockoff and basically. Basically. Um, so very much uh, in, in the jungle, wild man sort of a thing. So you had... Don McGuire is him. Jack Ingram, who we just talked about in this one, too. Um, and I was trying to remember in our last episode, like, I, I remember there was a guy named Wally West in one of these early ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this I remember is, mentioning that. This is it. He was, uh, the the actress named Wally West was a circus henchman in this film. That's what I was thinking of hmm. last time. So one of those kind of strange coincidences uh, that, uh, you know, the... Wally West was in something uh, so much earlier than uh, the character ever appeared. And I'm sure it's just a coincidence, but I kind of hope in my mind of mine that whoever created the Wally West character goes, oh, I love those old movies, and there's this one actor. He just had a bit part, but his name was Wally West. Inspiration, yeah. Inspiration. It's an odd coincidence if if not. Now, we really will jump a little bit forward here. Um, We're going up to 1952. For another one that I accidentally missed, uh, Black Hawk, Fearless Champion of Freedom. Yeah, that, that sounds uh, sounds a little a little. Um, I think it's another war movie, if I remember correctly. Uh, it was another serial. You know, come to the movie theater, see a small smidgen. Come back next week, you'll see the next smidgen. Uh, now, the interesting thing, the lead on this was Kirk Allen. Now, we talked a little bit about Kirk Allen last time. He was Superman. In the old Superman's. Mm. Um, and also had uh, Carol Foreman uh, in it, who was in the Superman in 1948 as well, uh, as well as the uh, movie uh, Brick Bradford, which that's actually based on a comic strip rather than a comic book. But like I mentioned, in my heart of hearts, I still kind of hold them in the same place. Um, Brick Bradford. Brick Bradford. the Alliteration is, is fantastic. <laughs> um So, uh, you've got, uh, John Crawford in the film. Now, did you ever watch the Waltons?
0: Um, um, an episode or two. Yeah. So
1: it's, it's kind of stretching our, our generational kind of thing of what, well, not just that, but also our interest level of what we would have watched anyway, probably. But, uh. John Crawford actually was Sheriff at Bridges in the Waltons. He's that that John boy. Is that Waltons? Yes. That's, that's the Waltons there. Uh, so that's kind of an interesting link, but also, uh, he was, so you remember the movie 300? Yes. So that was based on a graphic novel and we'll eventually get to that later. But I didn't realize that there was one that was not based on a graphic novel because it hadn't been written yet. But, uh, based on the situation that happened called the 300 Spartans in 1962. And he was in that as well. Hmm. So it was just kind of fun seeing these things go dots through time. As they progress, yeah. Um, He was the uh, printer's devil in Batman the TV series. In the 1960s, Batman the TV series. And you know that character really sticks in somebody's mind. Not mine, because I don't remember that character at all. I watch that show all the time and I have no memories of uh, of that at all. Who was that guy? Um, Michael Fox was in this movie. And no, we're not talking about like Back to the Future, Michael J. Fox. Michael Fox. Um, he was in Young Frankenstein, the original Longest Yard. Uh, he was in Over the Top. Uh, <laughs> he was in the Batman TV series. So he's he was in a ton of stuff. It's one of those guys that when you see him, you go... Oh, that dude. He was just in, in a bunch of stuff. Um, also, William Fawcett, who was in the Batman and Robin in 49, was in this film. So, again, one of those where they got you know a lot of people that really were kind of in something. All right. So let's try and get it to there's, where there's a chance that my co-host can talk. Because he maybe has seen something here. I mean, I said, like... Was he a dancer, you know? <laughs> I feel so bad because I'm running off at the mouth here. And as I'm throwing, I know I'm throwing a lot of dates and a lot of names at people. This is just my attempt to get past the stuff that I know that a lot of people just haven't seen and that I can't really speak to because I haven't seen it, that's for sure. But here's our first chance. Um, 1973. We missed this one, too. And by we, I mean me. Um, it's called Vault of Horror. Hmm. Now, can you possibly think what that might have been based on?
0: Was it Creatures?
1: No, no, it's something oh, we've talked about.
0: Vault of Horror. It was about Al Capone.
1: No, it was it was about Tales of the Crypt. Ooh. Yeah, so the Tales of the Crypt movie series that we have talked about a little bit and that we will be coming back to several times, the one that was based on Uh, the comic series when they kind of went away from the superhero stuff and went to the westerns and romance and horror and all that sort of stuff. Well, they made they thought, well, Tales of the Crypt, that's successful. Let's do something that's the same, but just name it something else. Um, Now, I'm going to why you with some of the names that are in this movie. No, I'm really not. There's nobody I recognize in this movie. I, I have no idea who any of these people are. I've never seen it. It's probably not all that important. <laughs> but if you get a chance, take a look at some of the stills. It looks kind of like it's in the realm of cheesy goodness, which which makes me really want to see it now cuz I never got a chance to never had a chance to catch up with that one. Alright, now we're actually back up to where we should be. Okay, into so we're the caught 80s. up now. So we are okay. caught back up. Okay. So you got through what
0: eighty-three? Is that
1: well okay. We're, we're, 83-ish. All, we're almost caught up. There technically was one more that I missed that but it was eighty-two, so I don't feel too bad about it. Okay, so way. we're right there. Yeah. So we're right there. So all right. Now you know this one. Lots of mus- lots of muscles. Uh swords. Uh it has some very great acting in it. It is amazing. Was it Red Sonya? Not quite yet. Was it? Was it Conan wasn't yet then. Conan! Woo. That's right. Conan the Barbarian in 82. It's an amazing movie. All right. So, okay. So, Conan's a strange one. And you might be saying to me, uh, I've never seen Conan. And for that, I'm very sorry. It, it's, it's terrible. Or you might be saying, I know Conan. Conan was a book. Yes, it was. But the book was made into um, made into a comic book. And the comic book came out before the movie. Got him. So that's why I'm including that into this particular list of stuff. And really the movie, um, I felt, at least to me, portrayed stuff in the comics better than it did uh, from the comics better than it did from the original source material. Um, so... Uh, Barry Smith was the artist. Roy Thomas, the writer, the comic came out in 1970. So it it still predates the movie by quite Quite a bit. bit. So Arnold Schwarzenegger, you've got, I'm sure, some fond memories of this one. Well,
0: I know that Darth Vader's in it, so that's pretty cool. Um, (laughs) I I think you can go to YouTube right now and see just... Every Arnold Schwarzenegger movie has one-liners of some sort in it. Um, But the fact that like, there's just something about this movie. Now, obviously, when it came out, I wasn't old enough to really watch any movies in a movie theater or know anything about, you know, who Arnold Schwarzenegger was. But I've seen... I own this movie. I, I've watched this movie quite a bit. Uh, it's one of those movies, and we've discussed in our movie... some movie episodes before, that when you are, I feel like when you are sifting through the channels one day and you come across this movie and it's 20 minutes in 30 minutes in an hour in that you stick to it and then you watch 20 minutes of it you may not watch watch the rest of it but you just sit and you get caught up in it for a little bit because it's so good that it's bad so bad that it's good type of thing it's all those in between is
1: that robot you have <laughs> i it, would take your robe
0: <laughs> that was gosh was that that was just yeah we were looking at it the other day
1: <laughs> oh man that was fantastic and of course anything at james earl jones in is in i i'm that makes me a happy camper but max von Sydow was in this too now he was in one of our favorite movies i know max von Sydow. he
0: was in um oh gosh the um Mr. I Am The Law. Uh, he was. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Man, was
1: yeah, now, he's in one of my other favorite movies. I'm I, that that i not going to go into this, but that that particular I Am The Law movie has a special place in my heart for other reasons than what it actually was. It was a special date that I was on at that movie. Mm-hmm. But I'm not going to get into that. But he was also in uh, a favorite that I watched when I was probably too young to watch it, but it was it was so fantastic. Strange brew. It's that's true. Hamlet with beer and just goofy jokes and
0: That's a good movie.
1: That uh the Mackenzie brothers and it,
0: it Flash Gordon is oh, in that too. Jesus I mean he's 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 in a lot of things.
1: Yeah. That that so I have that's where really Max von Seidau has that that special place in my heart. But also in in uh, Conan, uh, Mako mm-hmm. was in that. Now, uh, just talking to talking about all these actors that have a place in my early, in my early favorite parts of my mind. He's in one of my all-time. Just, it's it's not it's not what I would call the most amazing movie, but it's just so fun. And if you ever see it, it's Joe Piscopo, and it's. Uh, uh, Chuck Norris, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. No, he's in that too. But um, but no sidekicks. Oh, yeah, he's the one that trains the young asthmatic boy to to be able to do the karates <laughs> and and face down his bullies and win the girl from the uh, Wonder Years' affections. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but yeah, make, Winnie. Talking about Winnie. Yes, that's exactly, she's in that movie. Now, Mako also did the voice of uh, one of the characters in Avatar The Last Airbender. He was Uncle something or other. I'm, I'm spacing it right now.
0: Uncle Fester. <laughs> no. He,
1: he, was, he was the best character in that particular show. Uh, or I should say he did the voice for the best character in that particular show. And a lot of it was his voice. Because every time I hear his voice, it's like...
0: It's very familiar.
1: It's very familiar. And it's just, uh, when he died, I just, one of of those that I just had to shed a tear because I...
0: The wizard. Um, We were also mentioning, I think, when we were looking at this movie recently here, too, that some of Conan's uh, bodybuilding friends are in this movie. Yes, they are. It's just some some bad guys. Some... uh, some thugs. <laughs> just know.
1: just random people to go ahead and, and gut. Uh, uh,
0: I don't think they have speaking lines. Well,
1: Do no- they have speaking lines? Normally I'd say that's probably a good idea, but they let Arnold talk throughout the whole movie. so And
0: he's become an international sensation ever yeah. since.
1: Oh, but anyway, good memories all around. All right. So let's move on. We were at 83. I took us back to 82. Let's go to 1984.
0: Could it be? Does it, let's destroy this year.
1: Then we are destroying this year. Another Conan <laughs> comes out in 1984. Yes, this this one was a little lackluster. I must say it was not amazing. No, no, but it had it had Grace Jones. It had Grace it. Jones, yeah, and she was a thing for a couple of years. That was that was pretty cool. Hot item, Bond girl. Yeah and uh, I, I and this this is gonna sound bad I just I never liked her and it, it was nothing about nothing about her skill as an actress I just <sighs> she did over the top really well but I didn't like over the top so
0: well the things that she did over the top I don't think needed to be done over the top
1: yeah so I mean I don't know it', it just never hit me quite right um, but it had Wilt Chamberlain in it Hmm. I don't remember him in that movie for some reason. I I feel like I should.
0: So there was the the what the princess person that was on that was with them. Right. He, she he 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 was like her protector, her bodyguard. He had the weapon that was like this big long mace, but it had
1: like the hook on one end of it. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So. Andre the Giant, I mean, very briefly.
0: <laughs> Forget about him.
1: Yeah, he, he was in it. Um, and uh, again, I love seeing him in anything. Him and the Princess Bride will, like, another thing that brings a smile to my face anytime I see it. Uh, and I would watch a movie just of Andre the Giant and Arnold Schwarzenegger talking like metaphysics. Because of they both have such thick accents, it would be completely unintelligible. It would and, have been fantastic.
0: Andre the Giant's got a, if you're an ESPN person, I think it's a 30 for 30 that's out for him. And that dude, like the, just the little things that they talk about in that movie for what he would do or how they had to accommodate him because he was such a large per- person, especially a large person for that Time when he was popular, like when they had to fly him to Japan, for example, or like fly him to places and the bathrooms on the planes weren't big enough for him to fit into. <laughs> so they had to find other means for him to relieve that would be, himself. Yeah, I was going
1: to say that would be mildly uncomfortable.
0: Yes. But imagine like that is your entire world because you're so just gigantic comparatively. I mean, there's big people all over the world, but, yeah. I didn't watch it. <laughs> Here's <laughs> all this stuff. I didn't watch, I didn't watch it. Nope. Nope. I just listened to some podcasts about them talking about it. So, it's out there if you're an Andre the, Gi- Andre the Giant fan. And why are we talking about it? Comic book.
1: Yeah, it kind of makes sense. Now, one other thing. Uh, uh, Tracy Walter is also. Yeah, that dude's there. cool. He is. He is in a ton of stuff. In fact, we're going to mention him again, not too terribly far from now. Um, but you see him in everything. I mean he's just got one of those faces you recognize and he seems like he's kind of likable but could also he can also play the the kind of greasy villain role or he's just a goon that guy. Yeah. He is just a goon. <laughs> All right. So there wasn't much to say about the destroyer. But um also in nineteen eighty four we go from somebody that, uh, is in the equivalent of furs and rags and swords and instead will change to somebody that's in furs and rags and swords, uh, <laughs> Sheena, Ooh. queen of the jungle came out in 1984. Um, now, uh. I think we may have mentioned an individual named Mort before. Well, the person that made this, at least the art for it, is also Mort. Mm. Mort Meskin uh, and S.M. Iger, or as they call him, Jerry Iger. Um, January 1937 is when the uh, original comic came out, so it had been in existence for a long time. But one of the interesting things about this particular comic was it was the very first, at least to my memory... That had a female lead, so it was the it wasn't a team. It was a solo title, and it was a female hero. And because of it, a bunch of stuff got you know kind of spun off. Well, not spun off, but uh, you know copycats because it was as popular as it was. And then they eventually made the movie out of it. Um, so uh, the the. Uh, The only thing that I really, I don't know if you ever watched this movie, I feel bad because this is one of those that I missed and I feel like I should have watched it. But the one individual that I want to mention from it that I think has to be mentioned is the lead, Mm -hmm. and that's Tanya Roberts. Now, are you familiar with Tanya Roberts? That 70s show. That's right. She had probably one of my favorite bits (laughs) in that show. She played that part to a T, kind of the, the, the dumb but not dumb Kind of, uh, kind of uh, ditzy the, wife, the
0: neighbor. Yep, she was also in um, *View to a Kill*. That's true. I was thinking of the the Beastmaster.
1: Yes. Oh, that's right. Yes. That's right. Yeah, so she's has she's had some pretty juicy parts over the years, and uh, she's she's always done pretty well. It's kind of. Kind of fun she's uh
0: yeah she had a hot streak in a, in that little time frame there because you know the the movies are all there's eighty two eighty four eighty five so she was she made her monies in those three years right there
1: at least I hope she did,
0: and then saved it once <laughs>
1: uh, all right, so we'll go from something I can't make much in the terms of commentary to something I definitely can it's a movie that I've seen more than once, a movie that i've seen. Probably more than ten times. Uh, is it because it's spectacular? No, it's because we didn't have a lot of videotapes, and this is one of the ones that we had <laughs> back so, in the day.
0: That's a good reason. Good old VHS. Or wait, wait, was it Was it on VHS? It was. Okay.
1: Uh, was it legally on VHS? Probably not. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah. yeah. So, 1984. Supergirl! Hmm. Um. <laughs> not a big one for you?
0: No um, I, I mean, honestly, I don't even know if I've seen the whole thing front to back
1: What? Okay, so I'm going to have to go with a plot overview on this one But first, just kind of a, a tidbit Now, as we've been doing, I've been bringing up the origins of the comics And I'm only going to do that the first time that the character appears So I'm not going to give you, oh, Batman came out in this comic And it was written by this person, Bob Kane you know, No, no I'm just going to do it kind of the first time. This is the first Supergirl uh, one that we've got. So uh, Al Plastino was the artist in the first uh, appearance of Supergirl. Otto Binder was the writer. It's Action Comics in uh, uh, May of 1959. Um, Now, back in those days, this was kind of the, if I remember, probably it's still considered Silver Age but, you know, the super family was huge. You know, it was like the uh, Captain Marvel family because there's Superman, there's Supergirl, there's Crypto, the super dog. There's mm. every super, 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 super that you could possibly have. But uh, this character being the, the cousin of, uh, of Kal-El, a lot of people don't realize that aren't kind of comic fans. In many instances, she's actually significantly more powerful than Superman is. Which is rather entertaining because having you know because a lot of times just I don't know whether it's just kind of the the male mind as it as it takes into it. it's like well this this is the main character so he's the strong one and there's the girl so she's good but not quite no she could kick his butt up and down Main Street if she really wanted to. Um, so it was. It was kind of an interesting dynamic that I don't. I don't ever feel like they really explored in a fun way back in the day, other than just kind of pointing out. It's like, yeah, she's as powerful, more powerful than Superman. Eh, okay. Um, by the way. By the way, yeah. Um, so okay. So let's start with the director. I haven't talked to the director of a lot of these things yet because it's really not worth... Well, I I don't want to say it that way. It's not worth mentioning. But in terms of what we're discussing, it doesn't have a lot of links to to what we're doing. But first of all, I wanted to mention this director because, A, I don't know how to pronounce the dude's name. And, two, he's still alive, so I think there's a good chance I could offend him. And I'm all for that, just just completely massacring people's names. But uh, Janot Schwark, I'm going to say... That I'm 50% certain (laughs) that's how you pronounce his name. But he has directed everything. I had no idea before I did the research on this. Because I often don't think about the directors of some of these things. But, I mean, if you've watched a television show, I mean, even current ones... He's directed them. He's still like yeah. Supernatural. He's directed some episodes of Supernatural. He's directed Smallville and Castle and Bones and Without a Trace and Heroes. Heroes.
0: I'm seeing that on here.
1: Just tons and tons of stuff.
0: He's keeping busy.
1: He is. He is, seems to be very busy, and you know, he's still going. So that's kind of cool. Um, but uh, so you got the uh, the lead, uh, Helen Slater as Supergirl. So I'm just let's. We're going to start with kind of the the. The, the characters and I'm going to kind of get in, I'm going to, I'm going to paint the picture for you. And obviously spoilers for anybody that hasn't watched a, uh, what? 16, 34 year old movie by now. Um, so, um, two hours and 30 minutes. For sure. Yeah. It's got, it's got some length to it. So, uh, Helen Slater, you know, she was at the very beginning of her career. This is, this is like her big break. I think she did like one thing before this and it was like an ABC special or something. um, but uh, so, but she went on after this, being things like uh, City Slickers, and she voiced Talia on the Batman animated series, which was really cool. In Smallville, oh, cool. she played Kal-El's mom. Mm, she aged a bit. And in the current Supergirl, she's playing Supergirl's mom, but the human side of things. So it's kind of, they've brought her back a couple times, which I love. Because on top of the fact, is it just a nice nod, but she's really good on top of it. Um, you got Peter O'Toole in this. Uh, if you don't know who Peter O'Toole is, I'm sorry for you because he's fantastic. Uh, I, I first started really liking him back in the mid-80s. Well, early 80s, he did uh, Sherlock Holmes on TV, which, you know, you, I'm going to watch Sherlock.
0: Peter out way? No, no, I, I, no. no, I, no. No, no Sherlock for me. I'll just say that Peter O'Toole only knows a classically trained actor. Yeah,
1: no doubt about that. So you're right. Faye Dunaway uh, as Selena. She's uh, the main villain of this particular piece. Uh, if you don't know who Faye Dunaway is, again, uh, I'm sorry that you are removed from the time period where you might have really known. She's just done a ton of stuff and uh, is, is well-loved for good reason. Um, you got a Hart Brockner Now, this is an interesting one. He plays the love interest, uh, Supergirl's love interest in this particular uh, movie. But he was in our favorite Christmas movie. It appears that
0: he was in Die Hard.
1: He was. He was the lawyer that had the coke habit and thought he could broker the deal. Mm. Got shot. It's like, ah, yes, him. He's also in another film of the time I love, Mr. Destiny, as uh, Niles Penbrack or something like that. He's just... a punk of, a, of an attorney, sort of. Or not an attorney, but like a, a business guy that's trying to do nefarious stuff. He's evil. Um, yeah, that's, that was just fun. Uh, of course, Mia Farrow is in it. Did um, uh, the voice of the unicorn in The Last Unicorn. But, you know, tons of other I stuff, I like too. The Last
0: Unicorn. I watch that a lot.
1: Yeah, right?
0: Uh, people Han and their sisters in the 80s. People may know, at this point today, um, her son more than they know her.
1: Probably so. What would her son be doing?
0: Um, he's a journalist. Let's call it.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> and this is where we tiptoe back to the subject. That's
1: question. right. Okay. So, uh, <laughs> uh, and then of course Mark McClure uh, as Jimmy Olsen yeah, carried over from the other carried ones. over from the other one. So okay. So let's paint the picture. Uh, they start with the kind of the standard thing. Uh, uh, she comes from the planet Krypton. Uh, the the whole cousin to the thing she lands on earth has to grow up does the, they don't really focus on the history too much but she's uh, she gets uh, for for whatever reason I think she's convinced by uh, Jimmy Olsen uh, to to go to this town because there's like some story or something but uh, so the the main hero uh, or a main hero sorry the the main villain uh, that is uh, played by Faye Dunaway she's a witch. And she's very unhappy with her lot in life, her and her accomplices, and thinks that there should be more. And she accidentally finds either like a crystal from the crash site or some other item of power that actually gives her the ability to, to do things because she wasn't a real uh, a witch with any real power, but allows her to transform the entire town into her plaything. And so Supergirl has to save the hapless uh, love interest, which is played by the dude, which was kind of fun seeing that that transposition uh, in, in that early on uh, from from that. Because of course uh, the evil the evil witch sees how beautiful this young man is and also wants him. You can't have him, Supergirl. Nope. It's. It's it's cheesy. It's awful, and it's the best. It, it's so much fun if you have Awfully good, it, is that what you're saying? It, yeah. it, it is. It 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 it's, it's, it's that it's that great kind of '80s cheese. Um, I, it's hard not to love something like that. So I didn't really give much away about the plot because anybody that saw it could probably figure out the plot in the first twenty seconds. But uh, oh man, that was so much fun! All right, so. You you jumped the gun on an entry a little while ago. 1985. What do you think we might hit with more swords and sorcery? Uh, is it now time for Red Sonja? It is time for Red Sonja. Now, what are you familiar with in terms of the Red and the Sonja? You should know this one pretty well.
0: Well, as far as from a comic book standpoint, I know nothing. But I know that I've seen the... Uh, the movie a time or two, like it, not nearly as much as Conan, but I do remember. And I haven't seen it in a while, but I, I feel like all the times that I watched it, I thought it was fine.
1: Oh yeah, it's a lot of fun. I mean, Barry Windsor Smith and Roy Thomas uh, did it. Now the Red Sonia character was associated with Conan, even in the comic books uh, back in 1973. But I mean, it gives you a chance to bring Arnold back over to another film. You got. Bridget Nielsen. Bridget. Bridget. I always call her Bridget. I can't help it. I look at it, and I see Bridget. I know it's Bridget. Flavor, flave. <sighs> yeah, that was the one thing I wasn't going to bring up. I, and I, I was talking to somebody earlier about this. So you're Bridget Nielsen. You start with Red Sonia. You go to Rocky Four Cobra, and Beverly Hills Cop 2. Hit. 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 And then you're still active after that, <laughs> but the the caliber of projects just... are not quite there. And it was it was suggested, well, maybe maybe she had other uh, priorities in her life or something, which is definitely possible. But the, the thing that I'm saying is, like, man, you're like at you start at the top of the mountain, and it's just nothing after that.
0: Bad choices, maybe.
1: Maybe I don't know. But uh, I always liked her in the early stuff. I would not watch her in the reality television, and it's not about her. I just don't watch reality television. It makes me cringe just a little bit. Just a lot of bit. Yeah, especially that particular that particular one. Anything... Uh, anyway, so <laughs> I'm going to get off the negative. But one of the kind of fun things is not only were they in it, but uh, Sandhal Bergman was in the previous Conan. Films, the Conan ones, yep. Yeah. So uh, came back for this. Uh, Ernie Reyes Jr. Mm-hmm. So uh, he is one of my favorite dudes in terms of martial arts. If you have not had a chance to see. Um, either teenage mutant ninja Turtles 2 or the rundown or uh, if you want to see him when he was cute and little and uh, the last dragon I and mean, he was I swear he was like two but I know he's older than that I was mean, just just this little kid that was able to do backflips and karate kicks and
0: yeah he's been doing it since he was just a little guy
1: yeah he and he is Dude is amazing. He had some had some health issues a while back. I hopefully that he got taken care of because I would love to see him in some more stuff because he's just got surf ninjas, that's what it was. Oh yeah, he was in surf. Well, they can't all be winners. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you do what you gotta do. Um, but another interesting individual that was in Red Sonia was uh, Pat Roach. Papa Roach? Uh, no, he's talking about big men. When we were talking about Andre the Giant, Pat Roach is a big dude, um, and he got cast as the big dude in so much stuff. He is uh, Bree or Bright Tag? Can't remember now. It's been too long. And uh, in this particular one, but he was in like Clash of the Titans. He was the mechanic guy in Indiana Jones. He was in Willow, uh, the dude with the the skull. Helmets, yeah, riding the was.
0: horse around. So he's a mechanic guy. He's a he's a guy in the Indiana Jones movie that uh, he gets in a fight with by the plane, and so, then he gets you know chopped up by the plane.
1: <laughs> so you saw how big he was in that. Yeah. So I mean, he had to just you know get those parts like oh, he's got the right kind of size and fit for everything. He's even in the '90s uh, Kevin Costner Robin Hood is like a Celtic dude or something. So he's like oh, you're big. Can you wear paint? Okay. <laughs> Be in the movie please. How much does it pay? Uh, but uh, yeah, he he got cast in a bunch. He's not with us anymore, unfortunately, but uh but uh yeah, he was always fun to watch. Um so we're gonna go from sword and sorcery and we're going to transfer into science fiction. It's fiction. I'm, 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 I wasn't sure what the signal was.
0: There was no signal. There
1: was no signal? Oh, awesome. Okay. So, Weird Science, 1985. Ooh. So, this is one you've seen, right? This is a classic. hmm <laughs> That was not a very convincing uh-huh.
0: No. Um, I can say that I, I know that I've seen it, but um, I can also say that I probably, it's been a long time since I have seen
1: it. So, I won't have a lot of... Is this is this Kelly LeBrock? It is. Okay. It is indeed. Okay, so weird science most people would not ever take as a comic book movie. But in the 1950s, there was a comic book of the exact same name for the same reason that we had the Tales of the Crypt. It was just the sci-fi mag that had all sorts of tales. So, even though... It's a comic book movie. It's not directly taking from plot, at least not to my memory. I've I've read some of the 50s Weird Science, but I haven't read all of them. Uh, Al Feldstein and uh, William Gaines were kind of responsible for that, uh, at least the beginning of that series. But, fun thing, going back to a director, you know who directed Weird Science. Ooh, look at that. John Hughes. He makes your favorite films, right? The... 80s
0: teen angst movies. Well, not, not teen angst. Teen coming of age. Teen growing up. Teen...
1: Teen everything, really. Yeah.
0: But, you know,
1: he did, like, Home Alone, too. Yeah, he does a lot of things. Well, I mean, he did Home Alone. I don't know if he did Home Alone, too, but he did Home Alone. That gets confusing. But
0: <laughs> like 16 candles. He did Home Alone also.
1: There, there, we there we go. Ferris Bueller's Day Off? I know you love Ferris Bueller's Day Off. <laughs> he's got one of my favorite actors in it. <laughs> he does have one of my favorite actors in it, because he's awesome. There's nothing else you can say about that. Broderick is a is a legend and a treasure.
0: Oh, you're talking about Matthew Broderick. Yeah. Oh, okay. I, I we must not have been on the same page there. I don't, I don't know.
1: Uh, you know, you, this is stuff like this, this is why I'm not going to be able to get him on the show. I'm eventually going to say, hey, Mr. Broderick, I would love to have you on our, our podcast. We talk about pop culture. It's like, oh, you, you're the ones that, you like me, but that other guy's just a punk. He's always talking down about me. Yeah,
0: <laughs> Easy to do, my friend. Easy to do.
1: <laughs> but, uh, so, one staple of any John Hughes film in the 80s was Anthony Michael Hall. Because he was in a ton of them. In fact, uh, he was in Sixteen Candles (laughs) and Breakfast Club. Uh, Nash Lampoon's Vacation. Not not a Hughes film, but uh, uh, one of my favorites. Uh,
0: All those in that series are pretty darn good. Yeah,
1: it's hard to go wrong with that. But, fun thing is, he did that when he was very young. But this isn't his only comic book movie. Hmm. I wish I had that theme music. Dum-dum-dum! You know, but
0: uh, he's been in something much more recent,
1: much more recent. Absolutely. In fact, uh, he was in The Dark Knight.
0: Detective. Was he a detective? He was. He was
1: indeed. So it was kind of nice when I saw him in that movie just to kind of go, oh, that was kind of a cool thing. Did you know he was in like SNL for a season two? I don't ever remember seeing that, but
0: as uh, like a cast regular, uh,
1: as far as I could tell, because it gave like a bunch of different episodes from the things. Like, wow, that that was like during the period I wasn't watching.
0: Well, he also could have been um, if he was credited for it, kind of like what uh, Alec. Ollie Baldwin, Eric Baldwin, <laughs> where he just shows up for as and he plays a of character hearts. and he's there for you know a segment and then he's gone. I don't know
1: if they did that as much back then though. And, and, and you, know, you were either a host or you were a cast member. You didn't have a lot of just pop ons, from what I remember. But then again, that was a period I wasn't watching it because I watched like the seventies SNL and I watched the later eighties SNL. But that was that was before I really kind of got into that. Yeah. But uh, so you've got uh, so you've got him in it. We talked about Kelly the Brock, Kelly Brock, a uh, woman in red, hard to kill, where she met the love of her life.
0: Well, you know, a I'm, while. I'm thinking more of the um, action movie that she starred in.
1: What, what, what was that?
0: You say did you say hard to kill?
1: I said hard to kill. That's what I meant. Yeah. <laughs> So Steven. So you're on the Seagal. set of a hard to kill and you see Steven Seagal do the three three moves and that he knows how to do. <laughs> uh,
0: the sound effects are just amazing. Oh. It's just a, like I can just picture the the, the, the hands in like it's like you're pedaling a bicycle, but with your hands,
1: <laughs> and then all of a sudden, it like
0: you, know, you, you, you chop somebody on the uh, face part. But it,
1: I, I don't want to make fun of him because I mean, truthfully, the movies he made, I really enjoyed. He had
0: a really, just a really good stretch of just terribly awful good movies,
1: and you know, I, I try not to make fun of because you know, while I. I am an avid watcher of film, and you can even call me a scholar in some respects of the martial arts, and scholar in a book way. Ask me to do it, and I won't be able to tell you, but I understand origins. I understand where things come up and where they evolve, and I've seen a lot of footage of fighting, but seeing what he's... If you've seen him fight more recently, it's it's hard to take seriously. And when it,
0: you watched it then, it was dope. It was. It was really good. Oh. But then when you watch, so like him, me watching those movies recently and sending you text messages is what <laughs> prompted us to do a, a, a podcast about action movies. That,
1: that it was. I mean, but still, you know, Under Siege, I mean, that's a classic. I, I love that movie and I love him in it. So, you know, as much as I might question it I still wouldn't want to be in a dark alley with him because he could still probably mess me up <laughs> without much effort but uh you know still um glibber man yeah good lord Jesus, oh Pete uh um,
0: but not a comic book movie star
1: no not really I think I, I don't know of any that he's in that would qualify as that um uh Ian Mitchell Smith is the second in in weird science uh uh, one of the two leads, basically. Uh, the only thing that I really thought was of note, really, for our conversation on him, he was actually in the Superboy television show in the '90s uh, uh, with a recurring role, which was which was kind of neat. Uh, Bill Paxton, uh, the man. It game over, man. Game over.
0: I was just gonna say, like you see. I think people see Bill Paxton in a lot of stuff because he does a lot of stuff.
1: Oh, he did.
0: But like Aliens, uh, he was in Terminator, I I think. Was he? Mm Mm-hmm. So he was when Arnold's walking. Oh, the bar? No. like So (laughs) when Arnold's walking – and he's naked, and you can see his parts jiggle a little bit in the sh- in the shadows. <laughs> and he's coming up to the group of the punks. Yeah, he's like the leader of the punks.
1: That's uh, well, yeah, you twister. Five uh, five uh, tornadoes, the most dangerous.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Wait, Helen Hunt too was that twister? Yeah, uh, that
1: was Helen Hunt. Uh, uh, that movie's pretty bad. Uh, but yeah, it was not fantastic. It wasn't awful though. It just. Unremarkable, correct. Would be the way that would call it So there, there are hints in each of the actors of the disc. Like, oh, that was really good, but then against the backdrop of what the movie was, it's like, yeah, it's not enough.
0: No, <laughs> but he was uh, recently. I mean, I, we know. I know he's passed away, but I know uh, recently he was in uh, Agents of Shield.
1: Oh yeah, he was so good in Agents of Shield. I'll watch Bill Paxton in pretty much anything. He's He had a lot more hits than he had misses. Uh, yes. And he was fantastic. And from what I understand, was a pretty nice guy to boot. Um, that, that's, that's that's a loss. But uh, also in this film, a very, very young Robert Downey Jr. That's true. It was like his eighth, uh, eighth big film. Well, not eighth big film. Let me rephrase that. His eighth credited film if you look in IMDB so very early in his career and if if you see him in this movie oh he looks so young I mean it's it's, it's hard to look you remember the CGI that they did in Captain America Civil War where he kind of had his thing where he de-aged himself into the computer
0: he was if uh, you, exploring his memories
1: exactly put that CGI next to this movie the movie still looks younger uh, just because you know it's it, yeah it, a long time ago it was a long time ago, so you never saw your if you saw this movie you don't remember okay two geeks because this is possible in the 1980s decide we're very unpopular let's build a girl
0: yes I and I, I I remember the concept of it and I remember they got in some trouble like uh, conflict at the end of the movie there wasn't there like some some gang of
1: well absolutely because the girl that they create by the way by hooking up um, um, basically alligator clips attached to something i'm not sure because there's a computer involved and there's wiring but the two are not linked together so you've got the the barbie doll and they're wearing bras on their head because you know that's always funny Uh, (laughs) they break into like the pentagon's computers we need more power Yes, because that's how computers work. Sure. Uh, well, it was the eighties uh, through through the uh, through the dial up modem. Yes, and that that's how we're going to create it. And she is capable of manipulating reality. So, uh, and because it was the eighties, it's like, what's the first thing you do? Let's take a shower together. Uh, you know, but she can. Change changed uh, what they're wearing on a whim. She can create vehicles out of nowhere. She creates the the gang that accosts them at the end of the film because they need to have self confidence. They need to stand up to these bad guys that are bringing in motorcycles into their house and chains and knives because that's what a high school kid is going to do. Uh, um, yeah, it was it, that movie was so fantastic in so many ways. It was just. Silly and fun, and of course the best part being when they really want to be popular with the kids that have been making fun of them and giving them a hard time, including Robert Downey Jr.'s character. They say, we're going to make you a girl too. They go through the same exact process before but forget to hook it up to a girl. Instead, the alligator clips are resting on like an issue of time that has a nuclear weapon on the front of it because the Cold War is still a big thing at that point, so they create a nuclear weapon with boobs, I think. Mm. Oh, God, that movie was so, so silly. But just what just what
0: we needed at that time.
1: Uh, I, well, whether it was or Nuclear not. conflict. T-escalation <laughs> via, via camp comedy. Is that what that is? Uh, but, yeah, that one. When I was younger, one of my favorites. Um, going from camp comedy that is a favorite to camp comedy that is kind of universally reviled as one of the worst movies ever made. Nineteen eighty-six. What do you think it might be with that kind of an intro? Ugh,
0: the worst movie ever made, I mean. possibly. And it's a comic
1: book movie. I mean, not quite Leprechaun, too bad, but really bad. Like a troll Those would not be comic book movies even though it kind of seems like they should be in some ways. All right. So Mm. obviously I'm I'm whiffing here. Howard the Duck came out in 1986. Now.
0: Howard the Duck. I liked that movie. Did you? Yeah. See that was a movie that I watched uh, quite a few times actually.
1: I enjoyed it too. It's just I I know it's cheesy and I'd see all this hate for it and I understand kind of but it's
0: like I always, I always thought when I was little and I was watching this that the the alien creatures were creepy, you know. I was like, oh my gosh, look at this alien man! So I and I, the duck suit was the. I mean, I didn't think that was that. Well, bad for time, what it was, it was actually pretty know? decent.
1: And uh, so I mean, the comic originally came out. Okay, now let me rephrase that. I was about to say the comic came out in 73. Howard the Duck comic didn't come out in 73. It was actually Adventure into Fear that he first appeared in. Uh, Val, uh, Meurik, and uh, Steve Gerber. Uh, And again, probably mangled a name there. Apologize. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, you know, just uh, that was a great character in the comics because this is well before Deadpool and it was one of those that could be kind of self-conscious about what was going on. Maybe not to uh, the same level, but uh, it was still kind of an interesting way to get, uh, you know, breaking the wall sort of commentary on what's going on. Um, but would you like to help me pronounce the name here? The director? Willard? <laughs> well, yeah, that part got I got. Got it. <laughs> the, the last name... I, I see it and I go yuck. <laughs> I know that's wrong.
0: I, I mean, that's kind of how I would say it too. <laughs> yuck. But, ha- Hayek. hike,
1: uh, hike, hike. Uh, that's probably right. That makes more sense. But <laughs> I just saw that. I go yuck, yuck, yuck. Uh, well sorry. That that's. I'm I'm crying because that. Uh, Everybody has their one thing that just sets them off that that got me going when I was uh, going through things. But uh, Dude is uh, actually wrote some really good stuff. He did American graffiti, uh, wrote the screenplay for Temple of Doom. Uh, after Howard the Duck he did not direct anything. <laughs> still wrote stuff. Just,
0: he's had enough.
1: Uh, uh, maybe. but he did write, uh, write uh, the Radioland murders afterwards. If you ever saw that, that's solid. Um, negatory, but uh, so Leah Thompson, um, she's a big, pretty big star for the time, yeah, she was. She was in a ton of stuff and very uh, one of those kind of people that always felt relatable. But Lorraine and Back to the Future, sort of, uh, one of the Lorraine, or <laughs> what, however, you want to put the, it, the
0: what, the first and the second, right? She in the third, too,
1: second and the third. I know there was some weird thing with the casting. I thought it was that character. That I thought she was in the second. Yeah, she, she was in the second and the third movie. Um, so, yeah. So, she she had some some pretty choice parts here and there. Uh, oh, she was in Red Dawn.
0: Yes. The original Red Dawn. The
1: original Red Dawn. Absolutely. So, I mean, she had some great stuff. Swayze. Um, a lot of people still kind of cringe for her part in the movie where there's kind of a a pseudo seduction, not really, but between a, a duck person and a person person just seems kind of creepy and wrong to some people. I thought as a kid, hey, I never thought anything <laughs> of it. It's just like, Oh, okay. It, it is whatever. Yeah.
0: I was young enough at the time. I was like, this is you
1: know, okay, cool. Yeah. Of course we got uh, Jeffrey Jones in there too. Mm-hmm. Talking about, uh, Ferris Bueller. I mean, that's, uh, uh, that principal role. Was he in uh, uh, Beetlejuice, too? He was indeed in Beetlejuice. He was in uh, Stuart Little and Devil's Advocate. And he's had a some, lot of things. He's had some pretty choice roles, and we are going to keep it to just talking about those choice roles. Um, but I always liked him, and in, 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 he did a great job in the parts that he played. Uh, very good stuff. Uh, Tim Robbins had a part in this, mm-hmm. know, pre-Shawshank. Uh <laughs> just kind of I sometimes forget where where some of these these actresses have uh, these uh, these roles. David uh, Paymer? David Pamer. Do you remember watching Oceans 13? No. I, I might have been one of the 20 people that watched that film I'm joking, I know that was very popular I, but every time I say Ocean's 13 somebody, nobody's seen it I don't know how that happened, it was really popular we Okay, so uh, he was on yes. the Larry Sanders show yeah, Okay. For a I see of the years face now so I recognize uh, him he had a great part in the 90's movie The American President, that was that was good I was kind of one of the staff in, in that particular I feel year.
0: like recognizable face, recognizable voice oh too. yeah
1: very much so, uh, gets shorty city slickers. But uh, so okay, um, so you loved Howard the duck. Why did you like Howard the duck? What what really other than the monsters? What jumped out at you?
0: Probably the sci-fi nature of it, right? And that it was a non-traditional character who was the main character, hmm. and the, like the the creepy alien, of course.
1: So kind of a kind of a funny thing, though. You know, so the movie is basically an anthropomorphized speaking animal from another dimension gets transported here and just wants to go home but the machine that was created to do so is going to cause massive mayhem and destroy everything I think I've seen a movie mm. <laughs> just recently that had basically the same plot but it was done a lot better
0: mm. Wants to go home.
1: Was a character. Spider Verse. Oh, yeah, Spider Verse. We'll have a review the same time we release this. By we, I mean me, probably. <laughs> for for uh, Into the Spider Verse. I would like to see that movie. Fantastic, really, really good.
0: Yeah, I've heard. Uh, obviously, I've heard good things. I, I'm familiar with the Spider Verse. Um, simply because of Disney XD one of their runs of Spider-Man did a whole thing for it so seems like it'd be pretty cool
1: so we gotta get away from what a lot of people think is just an awful movie we need to move on we're gonna move on 1987 to a different awful movie um (laughs) I like
0: my awful movies
1: yeah so and this one again, this is this is just I think suffering from an issue of uh, sequelitis, where it, you're just trying to come up with the next plot thing, and it just it's maybe for the time was okay, but it sure has not aged well. Um, but I don't even think it was that good at the time. We're looking at Superman four four in 1987, The Quest for Peace, Nuclear Man, right? Yeah. Is he, is that a- yes, yes, <laughs> it was Nuclear Man. Um, so the entire cast, basically, from the original Superman films all reprised the roles, all came back. Uh, the only real difference is like uh, uh, the director, Sidney J. Fury, uh, directed the Iron Eagle, uh, Iron Eagle films. Ooh. Like, well, not all of them. One, two, and four, I think. Um, but, you know, kind of an interesting side note. Uh, kind of also lends a little bit of understanding of... Uh, the the tone why the tone of the movie was what it was it had had that kind of if you want super eighties you know <laughs> get, get Sidney Fury um, but you know kind of an interesting thing John Cryer was in that film he was in the bad guy team right wasn't he he was the nephew of Lex Luthor That's <laughs> that helps right. break him out of jail I'm pretty sure he helps break him out of jail but uh, and uh, helps him steal the hair of Superman. <laughs> Where was it? It was it was in a uh,
0: museum holding yeah. up like a big steel ball or something, right?
1: Yeah, it's a little giant weight hanging from it. Yeah, you got uh, Mariel Hemingway playing the part of the competi- competitor uh, uh, newspaper person and sort of almost sort of love interest but not really because they'd never go away from getting Superman away from Lois as they shouldn't. Um, but Mark Pillow was the guy that played uh, Nuclear Man. Um, now, kind of interesting. He actually didn't really voice the voice of that. That was actually um, that was actually just about uh, call him Lex Luther uh, <laughs> because that's who he played. Gene Hackman did the voice Ooh. also for the Nuclear Man. They just kind of synthed it up a little bit uh, so that it would uh, so that it would sound menacing and kind of that sort of thing. But uh, you remember the the plot of that film. So breaks him out of prison. They get the thing, they make the nuclear man. What's the whole plot? Why is he doing it?
0: Uh, only thing I remember about that is him scratching Superman's neck
1: <laughs> and him getting like the flu. Yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, and, and you're right, like the nonsensical gibberish that the nuclear man kind of grumbled out.
1: Yeah, and uh, The whole thing, getting the the package onto one of the nuclear weapons that Superman grabs and flings into the sun. Oh, good Lord. That that movie was bad.
0: It had like a really big budget for the time, didn't it? Or did it? It was was the other way. Really low budget. I thought it was a really big one.
1: You know, he. I mean, the nuclear man, in addition to having like Superman's powers, also had the powers that Meg... From Family Guy had when they got their powers, I can grow my nails. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was just <coughs> bad. Yeah, I, there's really not much uh, uh, to, to say that's uh, that's going to redeem that film at all. But uh, uh, I, I'm feeling good though a little bit <laughs> because there's been several of these that have either just been really awful, but have been good in a bad way, just cheesy kind of way. We actually finally get to move to a movie that isn't bad or good in a cheesy way. It's just good. And it was the one of the first comic book movies to really get me into comic book movies in the first place. And that was in 1989. Oh, that's got to be Batman. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. Batman. And uh, wow. I, I still... That that movie has aged so well.
0: Well, I I think... When you look at that version of Batman, and there are, of course, modern versions of Batman, right? So the modern versions of Batman have a different tone, have a different look, feel. And whether that's from a comic book, I mean, not not a comic book, like a cartoon, or that's from the movies, or whether that's even like from the the Justice League, as bad as that movie was, but Hmm. like... Batman versus Superman so like he's he's in some really much more recent movies. That one was colorful but not. It yeah. was um dark and brooding but not. Yeah. You know, it it had it definitely had the Tim Burton feel to it. Yeah, it
1: sure did. And I I'm a bit of a mark for Tim Burton. There aren't too many Tim Burton films that I dislike. I mean, maybe the Nightmare Before Christmas is not one I'm particularly fond of, but uh and that's got a big kind of following to it, too. Yeah, it's got a huge following. I'm like the one person that doesn't like that movie, but uh just uh, it reminds me of all the things about Christmas movies that I don't like. But uh <laughs> so he probably did a great job because yeah. I didn't like it. Um But, you know, I don't think this Tim Burton film is like a lot of other Tim Burton films in the sense that you watch, it's like, oh yeah, that's Tim Burton. And he certainly puts his spin on it. Yeah, he's got uh, his
0: feel in it for sure.
1: But I always felt that he treated the source material right and that it's still Batman. And it's not like the the Batman as if you were tripping on acid kind of Batman. Uh, But, you know, Michael Keaton... I mean, how much how much better could you get? I mean, he's still kind of—I wouldn't say he's riding high off of this, but that still, for a lot of people, this is what people remember him for. Yeah, and of course, he had that great run in Homecoming and uh, Birdman, and uh,
0: well, he did a lot of—didn't he do? I could be wrong. A lot of uh, comedy wasn't oh yeah, that kind of his, like,
1: like his thing, multiplicity and. Uh, um yeah he did, he did a lot of that kind of uh, Johnny Dangerously and and that sort of stuff and he was great. I mean I, I don't know too many films that he's been in that I haven't enjoyed. In fact, I can't even think of one off the top of my head. Um so I mean just And he, and he's The Vulture. Yeah. So he I mean he's he's
0: even doing comic book movies now.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And then of course the 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 writing of that particular movie, you got to have a Bruce Wayne that looked like he was having fun. Not like, I mean, because you know, you got the, the the more recent Nolan brooding kind of, even when he's acting like he's having fun, you look at him and you're not getting that that kind of feeling. Uh, and it's not like the everything is uh, a party kind of Adam West Batman where everything is silly. And it's not even in the same series. With the people that took over the role of Batman, they they didn't have that balance where he looked like he was having fun, but you know you still could take him seriously. It yeah, was, it was like
0: that. like he fit he fit in his role for this particular situation all the time. You know, it's just you're right. If there was a gathering or something, he felt natural in that gathering, but he didn't feel like he was how How it was presented to us in the movie? it didn't feel like he was ca- like cautiously out of place, yeah. you know,
1: yeah. And uh, it's fantastic having Jack Nicholson in a film because again, not too many Jack Nicholson films I can think of that I haven't enjoyed because he's he's just, I mean, to be fair, Jack Nicholson is Jack Nicholson in any role he plays, though the Jack Nicholson Joker is a lot of people's favorite joker, not mine. But that's not to say I didn't love it because I did. It was especially at the time it was my favorite uh, that I had
0: seen. Well, well, just like the you knew the character himself was a bad guy. Yeah. Right. But like, just like the the way that he could present it in in a switch where he was, you know, like like, what well, did they get a load of me? You know, or when he's doing things and he's mean and brooding and he's angry and he's creepy and he's, you know, he he's he's the character that has that sadistic behind the eyes look. But then it switches where he's just like cuckoo, you know, like there's there's a difference between sadistic and just being cuckoo. And he he had that tone difference in different segments of the movie
1: yeah and that's and that's what you get when you have somebody like a Jack Nicholson that's got that kind of experience and that skill to kind of bring that that to the part and it's just so much fun um and of course you've got uh uh Kim Bassinger in it as Vicky Vale. We kind of talked about that a little bit in our last episode because I was unaware that Vicky Vale preexisted that movie And it was that back in that older yeah, yeah a long time ago movie. But she was she was kind of a she was kind of fun in a different way because you know okay we'd watch these Superman movies right and we got Lois Lane and Lois Lane would kind of kind of waffle between one of two personalities either so annoying that I just want you to leave or damsel in distress and it was just it was never kind of anything other than those two but the while the Vicky Vale character definitely had that damsel in distress side of it. She never got annoying, at least to me. Uh, oh,
0: how, how she was presented. Um, disappeared in the next movie. Yeah, which was a little sad. But it was it was well put together cast and presentation of the cast and like you didn't need to develop the characters so much. Um, the, the the Batman origin, of course, is in like everything ever that's batman oh yeah yeah so um but at the time frame there wasn't much batman going on so having an origin story wasn't rehashed at that point in time Just no, like mean, okay this is cool this makes sense now when you the, see it it's like yeah i've seen this a thousand times
1: you have the adam west that really never went into the origin story and I, I don't remember if the older batman stuff went into the origin stories i don't if they did i don't think they really really touched on it very deeply um, oh, Robert Wall was in this mm-hmm. and he was like in that. The eighties the was his time. Eighties and early nineties. I mean, man, he was in, he was in some movies here and there. Um, what was it? Uh, Bull Durham, uh, good morning, Vietnam. Uh, he was in quite a few things, but he was in something more recently, a television show. harless right? harless Yeah. He, uh. He was all over the place for a little while. He's got another one of those, talking about voices, that you kind of recognize.
0: Voices, uh, faces, yeah. But uh, Lando Calrissian was in this.
1: <laughs> I kind of wanted you to say that one. Because <laughs> I I just felt too silly, especially not being a Star Wars fan. Saying, you Lando, was in Batman.
0: Yeah, so he... he- I think when you look at this movie it had a lot of star power, right? Yeah. And then when you see a a character like Billy D Williams character in here who doesn't have a lot of screen time but you brought in the star power to have that kind of sub character like that, now you know that they really they put the effort and the money into this to have a, a, an awesome cast. And and the people who played everybody they they all bought into it too they knew it was going to be good uh jack palance i mean come on i mean, I mean there's the whole <laughs> cast in this movie is just it's it's an a-list cast you're my number one
1: guy <laughs> <laughs> that line still after all these years is, is going to stick with me now the one thing that i would love to have seen though talking about billy d williams you remember who you played right
0: uh, Two-Face. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, no, 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 not Two-Face.
1: Well, just pre, pre-Two-Face, pre Two-Face. Yeah. But how awesome would that have been, Billy D as Two-Face? I can't even imagine that. What would he have done? I mean, uh, if, let's say, Tim Burton had managed to keep it to a third film and decide, I want uh, Two-Face to be the villain, I want to bring back Billy Dee. Uh, You know, Batman, uh, I'm going to flip a coin and... If you get a heads, uh, we're gonna drink a, a nice malt liquor <laughs> beverage, and if you get tails, I'm going to kill you.
0: Well, he did some. Did he? He did some Colt 45 ads, right? That's why I'm yep. saying
1: I remember the ads. Uh, it's just like I. Uh, that would have been just. That would have been too trippy. Um, you got uh, Michael Go Go Gal Go as Alfred. Um, he reprises that role throughout the rest of all of the uh, all of the films. Yeah, even the bad ones. Yeah, and so does Pat Hingle as Commissioner Gordon. Commissioner Gordon, yeah. So I had to wonder about the particular casting. I was like, okay, we want Commissioner Gordon, and we want him to sound Irish. Who do we get? I know, Pat Hingle.
0: Now, it maybe it's just because I don't know the origin of these characters very much, but I feel like the... In the last maybe twenty years, Commissioner Gordon, that character has become much more of a a forefront,
1: powerful character. Oh yeah, and has but has he been like that forever? In the comics, he was yeah, absolutely. He's always very important because, I mean, you know, you got Barbara Gordon as his daughter, and she's Batgirl, and depending upon the version of the universe you're reading, possibly Oracle, if the Joker manages to get to her and shoot her in the spine. Uh, that went a little darker than I intended it to very quickly. But I got to say, the Batgirl character I could have cared less about. For the most part, I never really connected with that one. But the Oracle character, man, that was a strong, strong character. Great stories around it. Ended up becoming the most important member of the little Bat team because she knew everybody and she could get into any system. She had the whole setup. It was kind of awesome, and when they originally brought out Birds of Prey as as a book, which was her and the current Batgirl, Girl, and I think was it Huntress, I'm pretty sure. Uh, you know, the three of them. That was kind of an interesting. It was good enough that they decided to make a television show that was not anywhere near the, the comic books, um, uh, but it it was it was it was really powerful, and. The reason, part of the reason that it worked is the Commissioner Gordon, that's our window into Batman, really. When you're reading the Batman comic books, who, who are you going to see things through? I mean, you're seeing these stories relate through uh, this, this super rich vigilante madman that's going up and beating the crap out of other madmen. Who is the normal person? The only real normal person you can relate to is him. He's the guy that's doing his job. He's the guy that's constantly confronted with the question of do I let this guy continue to run around my city and do this? I know that on one level I can't I can't allow it, but at the same time, these other guys are freaking nuts. Well, I, mean, I can't handle them, but I he can't handle can.
0: it. No, so I I've seen Batman Year One. Um that was that was a really good um animated little little movie. And that was really Commissioner Gordon focused, right? Yeah. So, like, I I kind of see that character. That's why I'm saying in the last twenty years, like, that's more of the powerful character that I see. You don't see that in this movie at all. No, that, no not he's like a non-essential character almost in here. And um, I, I think there are a lot of key players in this, and there's a lot of one-liners. I. When I say one-liners, you know, you think of Arnold Schwarzenheimer for one-liners, but there's a lot of them in this movie that if you watched it enough, and I feel like a lot of people our age might have watched it quite a bit, that you even see on maybe short YouTube clips or something. What are you? <laughs> I'm <I've> bad <been> <laughs> like, There's a lot of cool one-liners from this movie, and I think when you were growing up in this time frame cuz we were still pretty young when this movie came out. This movie especially since it was a what a PG PG-13 movie was really accessible for pretty much everybody. Yeah. And then this movie for for me at least was just super awesome. Uh, and I I owned, it was I owned that movie on VHS for the longest time until I got rid of my VHS tapes.
1: Well, just you know, I mean, you ever dance with the devil in pale moonlight? Yeah, <laughs> it's still you know just stuff like that that still sticks with me. I I'm gonna I'm gonna have a special place in my heart with that. Oh yeah, Tracy Walters in that too. Bob the goon. Ooh. Uh, yeah, I said he was a goon. Yeah, he was a goon. Uh, William Hootkins, if you know who that is, is actually in this film as well, and is also in Superman Four. He's is. Uh, Does he handle owls? No. No, he's just kind of a bit part. But if you see him, you'll recognize him immediately. He's like, oh, yeah, he's in both movies. Different parts in both movies, which is just kind of a funny thing. One of those things that I see. Okay, so as is necessary. I got We got one more before we break for the end of this particular episode. It is very important that we end on the uh, worst possible notes. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Yes. Uh, we're going from a very good movie to a very a lot of people would consider it a very mediocre movie. Um, you know, so early on we're getting a lot of really strong DC movies. We got Batman and we've got uh some soups, some Superman and a lot of kind of sputtering from Marvel. We got Howard the Duck and technically Conan is Marvel, but eh, it's kind of a kind of a stretch. But uh so Marvel strikes back. They're ready for the next a uh, Marvel movie in 1989. Uh, it needs to be grim. It needs to be gritty. It needs to be improperly adapted from the comic books. Ooh. Uh, punisher.
0: Ooh, the Punisher.
1: Yeah. And, and to be fair, there's no way they could really adapt the Punisher right at that time. I mean, we've we've gotten lucky. The Netflix show was really good the The movies that have come out have been mixed for some people. I've enjoyed several of them. I I think they've been maybe not amazing but solid. Mm-hmm. Um, but the 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 Punisher is a very very dark character. Um, it's uh it's kind of interesting. Uh, well, I find it interesting anyway. Was, um, was this Dolph Lundgren? Was that? Yeah, it was. But uh, Jerry Conway uh, wrote uh, the the issue that it came out, and it's John Romita. <laughs> uh senior that did the art. Uh, I believe Ross Andrew also. Uh, Amazing Spider-Man is actually his first appearance in 1974.
0: So I thought, I didn't think he was an original character. No,
1: But, but uh, so, so yeah, so Dolph Lundgren, um, who I, uh, you know, just brilliant, brilliant guy. I mean, kind of actually much smarter than most people realize that he is. Uh, but he had some, he's had some great parts. You know, he got the Rocky Four and, Creed two, he's coming back for that, uh, uh, reprising his role from that series of movies, which is kind of cool.
0: Yeah, I, I think the, um, I think most people would recognize him that are our age, possibly from Universal Soldier. Oh yeah, the Rocky Rocky movie also, um, Ivan Drago. Yes. Uh, so either that, I, I for me for me it's more Universal Soldier. Like that's where I'm. That's where my Dolph Lundgren comes from. But I definitely understand why he would be a, a rocky person.
1: Well, now the director, again, I'm going to bring up the director on this one because I think this one's interesting. Uh, the gentleman's name is Mark Goldblatt. Um, I only want to really uh, bring him up because he didn't do a lot of directing. But he did direct the movie Dead Heat, which I talked to you about before. <laughs> Uh, oh, one cop is alive. One it cop is, is dead. dead. <laughs> yeah. But let's let's go solve crime. Um, but uh, he did a lot of editing of movies. So he, he edited uh, the first two Terminators and The Howling and Halloween 2 and Starship Troopers and True Lies and Predator 2 and Commando and Rambo 2 and Pearl Harbor and Showgirls. They, they, they weren't all good. But... <laughs> he did a lot of a lot of work um and kind of everything relates I mean because we got Lewis gossett jr in mm-hmm. this who was in iron eagle
0: iron eagle yep.
1: <laughs> from the other because it's, it's all this 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 close family of people that work together
0: yeah see that's where I that's where I get my Lewis Gossett jr from is iron eagle maybe he's more recognizable in other things i'm sure he is but that's 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 where I get my Louis.
1: Yeah, the film. same thing. The first Iron Eagle film, I was I was a big fan of, uh, and even when I was younger, I preferred Iron Eagle to Top Gun. Um, I
0: could I could go with that. I don't think I liked one more
1: than the other. I wasn't excited about like Top Gun like a lot of people were, but I didn't dislike it either. No, no, no. <laughs> I just think as I as I've aged, I tend to like Top Gun a little bit better than I liked Iron Eagle. Uh, I think it's aged a little bit better.
0: Of course, he's in uh, Enemy Enemy Mind too. Oh yeah, that um,
1: movie. Good lord, that was so good.
0: So, but he's he's all make yeah, up in that, you know. But that's a really good movie though too. Yeah, but I'm still more not because Iron Eagle is a better movie, but that's just what I remember him from.
1: Well, yeah. Well, well First you're talking one. about the makeup. You know, it's just hard to remember Lewis Gossett as as what looks like a, a pill bug uh, <laughs> that stands up. But that oh yeah, Enemy of Mine. That was a fantastic movie. Uh, Punisher was not. No. Uh, so
0: I the the Tom. And we'll get into more of these later on. The Thomas Jane <laughs> one. I didn't think was that bad.
1: I enjoyed that one.
0: Um, I liked the Punisher War Zone. That was probably my favorite of the. Three traditional Punisher well, that's, that's movies. That's the one that I didn't see.
1: Um,
0: but like, don't expect miracles from that movie. No. But that was
1: just shooting people. Well, and, and let's uh, let's let's explain the character for the five or six people that may not know who it is. I mean, the whole concept of the character from the comic books is he had his family killed, as so many heroes do. Uh, did not take it quite as well as some of the other heroes did, and decided that the only way to fix the problem was to kill every criminal that he ever ran across. Uh, they cannot be allowed to go back into the system because they're just going to get out. Going to get out, they're going to be better criminals. There is no second chance if you. If you cross the line, then I find you, you are going to die. So he takes all of his military learning from the time when he was in Vietnam and uh, all that sort of stuff and wages a one-man war with the with the help of a technical specialist that can get into computer systems and uh, occasionally one or two other individuals. And then he runs across heroes that try to remind him that, you know, everybody deserves a chance. He says, whatever, and uh, leaves.
0: Don't forget, he also paints a skull on his vest or shirt. Or... Yeah.
1: You know, talking about the Thomas Jane one, that actually was my favorite little interpretation of that skull. I love the idea that it was like a T-shirt that they found and the kid got it for him and, you know, that's his memory. So that's the whole reason he wears a skull. I, I thought that was a nice little little twist to it, uh, even though it wasn't really anything to do with the comics. But uh, I'll tell you what, the Punisher character... If you are somebody listening to the show and you've watched some movies, but you really haven't read the comics, the Punisher character is actually really layered when done correctly and is much more uh, hardcore than you might realize. I mean, so essentially, this is a dude that can fight and knows guns and explosives. And that's what most people, you know, kind of that's as far as they think. It's like, there's no way he could win against an actual powered individual Oh man, no. He is think think of what Batman does when he prepares for the worst case possible scenario. Whereas Batman is reactive, the Punisher is proactive. He's going to take that stuff and he is going to put it to use if he possibly can. So he doesn't usually chase after those powered individuals. He kind of keeps his eye on the standard scum and uh, drug dealers and, and killers and all that sort of stuff. But there's a fantastic storyline um, at one point in the comic books where actually uh, Norman Osborn, you know, Green Goblin, he becomes president because that's what happens in comics sometimes. Mm-hmm. But uh, Norman Osborn decides to uh, take his team of, I believe there are Thunderbolts at the time, which is uh, Thunderbolts is a team of criminals that are being rehabilitated into being, you know, normal regular people again. But he creates his own Avengers team out of these people. Like his Hawkeye is actually Bullseye, and uh, you know he's got just this just awful team of uh, of uh, mostly terrible people. One of the individuals he has on his team is the Sentry. And think of if you don't know the Sentry, think of what if Superman were more powerful uh <laughs> huh. the dude is is stupidly overpowered and is 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 more of a plot device than anything else but so he's got basically he's been uh, manipulating this individual uh through some uh some uh just Being slimy. (laughs) There's no other way to do it. He's just psychologically manipulating this dude to to be the guy that he wants him to be. And Punisher knows that Norman Osborn cannot be the president. He needs to be gotten rid of. And he decides one day, okay, I've just got to assassinate him. He's he's got to go. And it's during this big outdoor... Massive. Mm-hmm. It's not a celebration, but he's just addressing the public. So the entire Avengers team is there. And Punisher's like a mile away with this greater than fifty caliber sniper rifle. And he's just gonna take this shot and Sentry sees it coming and catches the bullet and is kind of there in a blink. But Punisher is ready and he set up getaway plans and traps and I mean just but Against the sentry, it's, he manages to get away. This should never happen against a person that basically brought down something the size of a meteor uh, to, to Earth during a, a specific storyline against a guy that has guns. <laughs> but he's smart enough He's prepared He's prepared Just kind of fantastic stuff I know it's off topic But you know He put down a booby trap And the sentry got caught And his foot hurt <laughs> But okay So I know we're ending there But we're going to come back Next time We're going to come back In 1989 still There's one more film That we're going to come back We're going to talk about The Return of the uh, Return of the Swamp Thing And go uh, forward from there Did we ever do the original Swamp Thing? We sure did Did you forget already? What day is it? (laughs) Yeah, we... No, we we did that in the last one. Yeah, we did that in the last one. But, uh, so, uh, hopefully, you found these tidbits and facts as interesting as we have, and as we get closer and closer to current day, we're going to be coming into stuff that more and more of you, hopefully, have seen. (laughs) Just wait till we get to 2013. That's right. Man, there are a lot of films in 2013. But uh, until next time, we are your pudding pals, pudding people. With pudding packets of pudding power? Yeah, that sounds good. Okay, good. (laughs)